Welcome everyone, we're about to begin Be'ezus Hashem, BPM number 50, that's by Splimi, Shear for Men, Shear number 50. And we're talking about ways that may be hard for us to do, but to heal our marriages and to transform them, we sometimes need to do this hard work, and by facing ourselves in the mirror and realize the things we need to correct in our marriage and in the way we treat our wives, and when we do this, we keep at it, we can actually heal our marriages and we can be the happiest we could become by our wives responding to that healthier behaviors that we are exhibiting towards them. And one of those aspects, which is not easy for a man to do for many reasons, is to learn how to lose an argument or to learn how to lose, to acknowledge that you are wrong. Men, in general, it's a masculine characteristic, have an instinctive need to win, to be right, or at least not to be wrong. And we destroy our wives. We literally destroy our wives with that thoughtless push to always prevail, to always win. And we destroy our marriages and hurt our wives very deeply by that aspect of ourselves. And that is a male characteristic Now, and I want to (laughs) say, you know, don't think it's a female talking here, okay? I'm as male as can be, but what happens is with our maleness, our masculinity, as much as we need to have that, but sometimes that marriage could, with marriage, if you use it in that natural state always and you don't work on your midas to curtail it somewhat, to channel it, then it will hurt your marriage. It will kill your marriage. Now, a big part of being a male, and Hashem put it into us, and it's a healthy thing overall, is to win, to compete. We don't want to lose. Most men are competitive, whether we want to admit it or not. Look at the games that men play. And if we're pretty good, meaning we can compete, we play. If not, we won't even play. People are not good enough People who are not good enough to be, for example, competitive at golf with their friends, they give up the game. Same with tennis, same with anything else. Even board games, even card games. If they don't think they can have an edge and beat the other person, they won't do it until they develop it on their own or whatever it is. Because we're competitive by nature. And that is a healthy thing Hashem put in us in order to accomplish, in order to achieve, in order to go out to work and do what we need to do and so on and so forth. So it is a healthy thing overall, but what we do in marriage is we often cross the line with our wives. And that is a very, very um, dangerous thing, hurtful thing. And we need to understand that. And we need to be careful. And the biggest kayach that us men can have is when we're gifted to recognize landmines in the marriage and stop before stepping on them, to learn when to be quiet, to learn to hold back that line that you want to say that could set her off when she said something and you know you could use something in your head as a competitive nature to squash what she said, to knock her, and you hold yourself back so that she doesn't become aggravated and upset. Like you have a sixth sense of acknowledging that. You smell a conflict. You know you could win because you have a sharper tongue or you have that uh, uh, type of mind. 
your Gemara cup, like they say. You could slug her up. You could really wipe her to the floor, so to speak. And Hashem should bench you if you learn that sixth sense of saying, that's hurtful. I'm going to pull back. I will not say this, and I will work on not even thinking that. And this is hard for many, many men. It's very, very hard to hold our tongues when she's saying something that either you feel is wrong or you feel that she's being unfair to you. And very often, sometimes she is not right, and you could word it in a certain way to point it out in the right way, but very often we don't do that. We right away go for the jugular, and we respond by attacking back. And before realizing that we need to hold back, so we need to understand that reality. The realities in general, when you have an argument, for the most part, she's not going to change her mind, you're not going to change your mind. And 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 generally that's what happens, especially while you're in a conflict. And what happens is sometimes there's an inciting incident for something maybe you may say or you made a given unsolicited advice, or you made a set of innocent statement that that includes a certain correction, you know, and then momentum builds up, get upset at that, and then they start talking to each other with more emotion, sometimes more venom than the original subject. And what's important when you face with those type of conflicts is not to change the subject. Not to change the subject. Very often what you were arguing about, that little point of contention that you were talking about in the beginning gets blown up to something that has nothing to do with your original point. So, for example, if a husband tells his wife something like this, you know, you make fried chicken, chicken that's great, but your mother makes it is the best, is the best with making fried chicken. And I think she uses this or that type of thing when she fries it in. I don't know how she does it, but it's very special. And the wife gets a little bit offended, and she says, so my chicken isn't good? Well, thank you very much. I cook it just like my mother does. My mother doesn't use what you're saying. You never cook with your, with my mother, so how do you know what she does? You have no idea what she cooks with. And you never take the time to get to know my mother anyway. In other words, she throws in now another subject. You don't care about my mother, or you don't have a relationship with her, or you're not nice to her. So the subject started out with fried chicken, and ended up with, you don't know my mother or you're not treating her properly. A totally different subject. That is how these arguments come up. And that is so important to recognize when you're having these conflicts. That not to, not to mush it all in one big mush. To talk about the particular thing now. And then if something has to be addressed later, you address something later. And so on and so forth. So that is one thing that a husband needs to recognize, that when he brings in another subject or she's bringing in another subject, to pull back and to just deal with the thing that's being said now and do your best to acknowledge truthfully and humbly what you need to address. Sometimes it's very important is to drop the rope. You know, when you have tug of war, right? One holding one end of the rope, the other, and she's holding the other end of the rope, and you're tugging, and she's tugging. Sometimes it's important not to resist. Not to resist, let her take the rope. Don't make it silent treatment. You engage with her. Silent treatment is terrible. You don't do that. But you drop that rope, and you disarm it, 
And you basically disarm the live emotional grenade by doing that. Sometimes your wife needs to win an argument and you machnia to it. Yes, you're right, or whatever it is. And very often with small trivial things, it's really not worth it at all. Later, when it's calm, you want to have a conversation, you can have a conversation. But when we are critical of each other, we have this critical spirit with us, it hurts our marriages. And very often, uh, with males especially, they have a hard time with this. They have a hard time not responding, not getting that last word out, not showing your wife, hey, I, I want to show you who's boss, or who really knows what's going on, and you don't. We have to hold ourselves back from that. And that is what we husbands need to do often when these conflicts comes up, is you drop that rope, you learn how to lose an argument. If it's a very important subject that needs to be addressed, we talked in other shiurim how to get to a point where you could have an open discussion about it. But in the heat of the moment, you drop it. In the heat of the moment, especially if it's a trivial thing, there's no reason to bring it up again. You give it up. And even if it's something important, you wait for a time that is more um, relaxed for the both of you to do that. Another aspect of a healthy practice with husbands is to allow your wife her freedom, to give her her quote-unquote ring, wings as a person, to fly, to use her potential to allow it. If we're honest with ourselves, many of us want to control our wives to some degree. We want the sex when we want it. We want them to do what we want them to do, when we want them to do it. And we're a little insecure of of their love. So we don't want to even give them opportunities to see what they're missing. We want to be in control. And we often, sometimes some husbands could freeze their wives out, make them feel so uncomfortable and unloved. Um, you know, and, 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 it, and it's so, so sad when that happens. We are very, we have tunnel vision. We see things only through our own eyes. And we don't realize what our wives are feeling and thinking. Sometimes we're excited. We want to move our families to another place for a better job. And we get excited we'll make more money or whatever it is, it'll be better without even thinking along the lines of what our wife feels about something. And they feel trapped. They feel trapped when you try to make decisions, even sometimes big decisions without confiding in her, without talking to her, without expressing how you feel about it. And also to allow her to express her potential, give her money, Give her ways to enhance her life. If she wants to take a course in in certain things to develop some things, you you allow her to do that. If you see she has a talent in music, you give her that opportunity to express that talent in music and so on and so forth. So it's very, very important to do that. To realize, to let her have her potential, to let her have her space. Sometimes, for example... What's very, very important is that if especially a mother with young children that she's talking to kids all day long, she needs time with her friends, with adults, and you give her that opportunity to do that. That's also a very important part of being a good husband. And also the idea is, is to think long term. You don't think just what comes next, but what your life will look like down the road. And what you want to do 
with your life. When you realize you'll get older, your wife will change, you will change. And when we're impatient, our marriage gets into trouble. You want something right away. It's not not good that way. You need to really look at the long-term picture and really, really think, what do I want to be as a husband? What? How do I want to behave myself with, with myself in the right, healthy way? The one aspect that really hurts us is we're caught in the culture and it's part of human nature, is we want instant gratification for everything. This generation is a generation of the death of delayed gratification. We don't believe in the idea of suffering now a little bit in order for to get the great good that's going to happen later. And that's what young couples do in the secular world. World, They get together, they have sex, they live together, and then afterwards make the, try to make the commitment to get married. Right? Or you want a new car, you don't want to save for it. You're right away credit card loans, credit card payments, oppressive debt. You need that car now when you can't afford that car now instead of just waiting till you earn it and then get that car. We don't think along those lines very often. And that is hurting us as people. It's hurting us in our marriages as well. So decisions, healthy decisions is when you have a choice between the greater of two goods or the lesser of two evils and you do it with a chachma. You do it with the perspective of a person that you're facing that decision. And you see and you think carefully about both options of that. When you are, and, and when you think along those lines, when you're interacting in your marriage, when you're working on becoming a better husband, sometimes you want to do something now, but you think of the greater good of, will this help me in the future? Will this help me my behavior now? And the key of the long-term idea is you look at it like you're planting seeds. You're planting seeds now that you may not see the benefits. It's going to be under the ground for a while. For plants, it may come out in a week or two, and you'll be very pleased. For trees, it takes much longer, but ultimately it comes out. And it is so important to evaluate when you're interacting with your wife, when you're trying to become a better husband, what is the long-term approach here? Are the healthy choices I can make day in and day out, even if I'm not noticed yet, even if my wife doesn't see my sincere heart yet? She doesn't yet see me transforming, but I am transforming. How do I go about that? And you think along those lines. If your wife needs more sleep to function, you try to figure out ways to get your wife more sleep or to help her in kosher ways to give her more money, to give her more money or to help around the house or to help her with with your children, to allow her to have her own friends, or let her have a certain degree of freedom and also to aspire to understand what her dreams are and aspirations are. And try to fulfill those dreams as best as you could. Sometimes it can't be realistic. But to be empathetic about her dreams of what she would really like. You know, it's not Disneyland. You can't just make dreams come true all the time. But when you pay attention and learn about them, you respect their dreams. You respect their aspirations. You respect respect what they yearn for. And sometimes you could make it a reality. Or if you can't make it a reality to a large degree, you could make it a reality to a certain 
smaller degree, and that's greatly, deeply appreciated because she sees, she sees you get it. She sees that you really care. And another one last Nakuda is you need to learn sometimes to give up, to give up and let go. Let go of all the past burden of hurts and, and negative feelings. You let it go. There's a schatzus, a schatzus every day to a certain degree, every Erev Shabbos to another degree, every Erev Rosh Chodesh to another degree, every Erev Rosh Hashanah or New Year to another degree. And very often in marriage, what held, what keeps us stuck is because we're stuck with our previous resentments and hurts. And we need to learn, we need the reset button. We need to start anew. And we don't want to have a real serious wake-up call to do that. We'd rather do that on our own. We put Hashem in the picture. I'm doing my best I can. I will do my best to become better. I'm doing my best to behave better. With Hashem in control, you let go and you just try. You do your hashtablis that you need to do. And you learn to let go. Hashem loves me. I can't control outcomes often, but what I can do is try my best to be the best husband I could possibly be. You know, it says in Kahelas, two people are better than one, meaning a married couple. If one falls, if either one of them falls, the other one can help, one can help the other one get up. And if both of them fall, one can help the other one get up. But the idea being is one helps the other get up. But then it says afterwards, the chut hamashulash loy b'mehera yinatik. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. And the pshat of the third strand, many mefarshim say, is Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Hakadosh Baruch Hu is that chut hamashulash. You are two, and you're helping each other. That's beautiful. But when you have three, when you have Hashem there, that gives you the courage to make the commitment. That gives you the courage to become the pest best possible husband you could be. When Hashem is your friend, Hashem is with you, I'm going to be the best husband. You ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I need help. I need help to be kind to my wife. I need help to be gentle with my wife. I need you to please show me how to slow down to really listen to her. I want you to please help me, Hashem, and give me patience. Allow me to be gentle. Learn, show me how to be attentive. Give me siyata d'shmaya how to be attentive attempted. You could also daven, yes, this sounds strange, but you have a right to daven, and you could and should daven, please help our physical intimacy get better. But when you do that, you need to do it in a very unselfish way. Please help the physical intimacy get better. But I also know that in order for me to do that, I need to be intimate with my wife, which is not sex. Help me be intimate with her that will lead to the physical relationship. Show me how to be intimate. Show me how to correctly do the emotional warmth and closeness to feel it, to express it. And to 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 do that. And you don't give up. You keep on going. You take one step at a time. You take one step at a time to fill the davening for it. And then with your words with your listening, like we talked about, with your thoughts, with your emotions, and then with your actions, by actively helping, by act- actively doing things, by actively becoming the best husband you can. So I believe it was the last eight or so 
where we talked about various things that are not easy for husbands to do. And when they see, when you see a marriage, it could be doing good, it could become better. And if it's in trouble, these things that we talked about in the last HGRM or so, if you really, really work on it, you really, really invest time in it, you really put in that effort, you will see a transformative change. You will see great changes in the most beautiful way. And again, to end off that last idea, please remember this. The chut hamashulash loy bebehera you not take. The two is you and your wife. You help each other. You support each other. Chut hamashulash is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Bring HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the picture. Be God into the picture. Turn to Hashem to help you. He's responsible for the outcomes, not you. He alone can control the outcome of whether things will work well. But he expects you to do the Tzishtadlis. The all ideas, the burning the ships that we talked about before, that takes a lot of courage, and all these other things we talked about that take a lot of courage to remove the unfair, pressurized expectation that you have on your wife for sex, things like that, little listening, everything we talked about here. And you ask HaKadosh Baruch you know, drop your unhealthy, unrealistic expectations to learn to love what she loves, to create an environment of acceptance. Um, and, and all of these things we talked about the last eight weeks. To put Hashem in there, and ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu, please, please, Hashem, help me do this. Help me learn how to do this and give me siyat deshmaya, to think long term to delay, to help me delay the instant gratification when I know it's best to invest now and get that gratification later. And to daven for this and to have, ask Hashem to put simcha in your heart and the wisdom in your heart to be the best husband you could possibly be and you will be matzliach. Bracha natzlacha.